Good morning. This is Kevin Payne, pastor at First Baptist Church in Independence, Missouri. Welcome to our podcast. What you're about to hear is a portion of our worship services that began last Sunday morning at 1030. Every week we gather and sing praises to the living God and hear teachings from His Word found in Scripture. We hope you enjoy the message. If you'd like to hear more, there are more here on the podcast, or you could come and worship with us. Our Bible studies begin at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and our worship begins at 10.30. We're located in Independence, Missouri, 500 Westerman Road. Why don't you come and worship with us? Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. We love you, Father. This Advent season reminds us every day that you loved us. You gave your Son. We worship you, Father. You're a good God and a generous God. And even in our sin, you love us. Thank you, Father. Hear our words of praise. Receive this gift of worship and be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. We're so glad to have you here this second day of Advent. This morning, we read this candle of peace, and Russ Pierce and his wife will come and light the candle that stands for the peace that Jesus brings. As they do so, I'll read a passage from Micah chapter 4 and 5. And it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains, it will be raised above the hills, and the peoples will stream to it. And many nations will come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, and to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us about his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion will go for the law, even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge many peoples, and render decisions for mighty distant nations. Then they will hammer their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they train for war. And each of them will sit under his vine and under his fig tree, with no one to make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken, though all the peoples walk, each in the name of his God. As for us, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Micah spoke of a time when people wouldn't have to worry about bad guys and wars and they wouldn't have to spend all their income and all the tax dollars and all their efforts on training and arming soldiers and keeping the nation impoverished. As you know, it hasn't happened yet. We're better, but still every day we read of wars, rumors of wars, and we hear the numbers of the stunning amounts of funds that are wasted on war. Someday, in God's time, he will fix that through Jesus. We're glad you're here today. Pray with me again. Father, again, we thank you for your presence and for this gift of peace through Jesus. Be with us now. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing and worship God together.
this morning if you would Matthew chapter 1 ghost or something Matthew chapter 1 in your New Testament today we're beginning a series that will take us through the Advent season what I want for Christmas so what I'm going to try to do is imagine if people were asking questions and they were talking to preachers and how they would do this probably and I would say, well, what do you really want from Christmas from God? And, and I'm going to pretend that these are some of the answers. And so today, the, the question that people are going to have is, I want to know that God is with me. If people want to know that God is with them in their life and can bless them and to help them, the Advent story has an answer to that. And God has acted to help us with that. Matthew chapter 1. As always, we pray. The Advent season, I wish I could say that people would stop fighting for the Advent season. I watched bits and pieces of one of those schmaltzy Christmas shows yesterday. And you know the type, the Hallmarks and all those. My wife loves those and, and I watch them with her. I don't know why. But anyway, we were watching this show and it was a World War II scene. And the soldiers were there and they were killing each other. And they came before each other and it was the Christmas season. And they called for a Christmas truce. And so for a day or two, they stopped fighting. I wish I could say that we could carry that on, but it doesn't always work, does it? Some people just continue to fight regardless of the day. But we pray that people will for a time at least stop fighting. I talked about the Advent candle of peace 
There is no greater call than for peace on this earth. If we could take the energies and the wealth and the efforts that are put into war and instead convert them to efforts to bring peace and satisfy the needs of humanity, it would be such a different place. And there will come a time when that happens. But until then, we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. You give us life and you give us hope. We pray this morning, Father, that you would be with us. Give us peace of heart. Peace that comes not because of situations, but because of your work and efforts in our lives. We pray for peace on this earth, for an end to hostilities between nations, for an end to the tensions between races and the genders. We fight over everything and anything, even the make-believe. Forgive us. But Lord, more importantly, help us. We pray for our soldiers, our first responders. Keep them safe. Be with them as they bring efforts of peace and justice and help. Comfort their families. Guide our leaders. As always, we ask that you would bless them. Take care of them. Help them to make good decisions for the common good. We pray for peace in our politics. Peace in our families. And peace on earth. Lord, be with us as we study your word together. Help us to hear. Help us to allow the Christ child to act in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Most of us want to know that we are not alone. Sometimes we find ourselves alone. And we most of the times don't like it. You know, some people are rather solitary in nature, and they can be alone for hours or days and be okay. But most people want others in their presence. They want comfort and strength and all the things that others can give. And I understand that. Interestingly enough, even as our culture seems to disappear into our phones and other electronic devices, we still reach out and on those phones and electronic devices try to connect with others. On Facebook, there have been a number of recent ads about how you can join a Facebook group and you and 40,000 of your closest friends can talk about dogs or cats or whatever and you can gain some sense of community. And isn't it interesting in that on Facebook, most of us on our phones, we take our phones, we look into our phones and we kind of disappear from those people in the same room. You know, we don't talk to people that are in the room with us, but we connect with somebody who's a thousand miles away. It's kind of a, an odd quirk of our electronic age. But even in that, we show our desire for connections. So if you answered the question, what I want for Christmas, and you thought, I want to know that God is with me, we can find that answer. If you would, follow along with me in Matthew chapter 1. I'll read verses 18 through 25. Kind of a long passage. Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. If you want God to be in your life, this season offers you that opportunity. You see, the birth of Jesus, the whole Advent story, is the story of God coming down to us. That's what this is all about. Isn't it interesting that almost every culture is religious? Even in our culture, you know, we're moving away from traditional and formalized religion. There was an article yesterday I grabbed somewhere, and it didn't talk about the failing of religion in America. It talked about the failings of religious America. And the author was sort of a traditionalist Christian, and he was lamenting the fact that Christianity might be failing and Islam was failing and all those other religions were, might be failing in our culture. And what he feared was that Americans would move toward a, a type of religion that really wasn't anything traditional but more New Age or whatever that might be. But he acknowledged that religion would never disappear. He acknowledged that from all indicators, people are still very spiritually minded. In other words, they want something of God's presence in their lives so people that are highly educated, people that have almost everything in their lives, people that have food and clothing and a safe culture, and all the things that entertainment can bring, they still have value in the things of the Spirit. Maybe not Christian, but they want to know that there is something more. And they want to know that that something more is involved in their lives. Indeed, this is what drives us, not just in this culture, historically. Almost all cultures have something religious about them. There are very few cultures, very few peoples that don't have any kind of religious beliefs. We want to know that there is a God out there who cares for us. So Jesus' birth is a story of how God has brought that about. Now on screen are, are some things that we can bring the idea of. And this is things that can help us. As we read the Old Testament and New Testament, we find out in the Old Testament, God was working to be with us. In the creation story, do you remember, God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. God was with them. The prophets told the story that God would be with them, that the passage we read, but someday God would come back and he would heal us. The New Testament is full of stories. Do you know that there are over 100 prophecies in the Old Testament that have been fulfilled by Jesus' coming and his birth and his resurrection and his crucifixion? The prophets, hundreds of years before Jesus, gave prophecies saying, this is what is going to happen. God's going to come. And then in Jesus and in his life, he fulfilled those prophecies. Even in the New Testament, we see that there are two people in the New Testament era, Simeon and Anna. We don't know much about them, but they were people who sort of lived around the temple. And they spent their entire existence, 60, 70, 80 years, living around the temple, not just hanging out, but waiting and looking for the answer to their prayers. 
And when they came, when Jesus finally came to the temple and they heard the story and they met him, they realized this is the one and they rejoiced in God, Father. And then Joseph and Mary. They are central to this story, aren't they? God used nobodies. People that were not historically significant. Good people. We don't know much about either one of them, really. Joseph, carpenter, good guy. Mary, young girl, a woman of faith, and that's all we know. And God used them. He favored them. He, he chose them for some reason. And he used them to answer the desires of humanity for his presence. The name Jesus simply means anointed one. In the Old Testament, the anointed one was the one that would come from God and take care of business and do the things that the people needed done. And God would anoint someone to do that. And so you would read about prophets that were anointed or kings that were anointed. Jesus was the Messiah, the anointed one, the one come from God to do his work. So when you think about this whole Advent season, it really isn't about buying gifts for other people. It really isn't about decorations and holidays, and none of that's bad. But it was really all about God answering man's need for his presence in their lives. One of the names of Jesus is called Emmanuel, and it literally means God with us. One of the other things about this is that this birth of Jesus is an offer of his presence in our lives. You know, it's one thing to know the story. It's another thing to personalize it, isn't it? Now, you are Christians. You follow the resurrected Jesus. Christmas is a holiday you celebrate, but you've personalized it, haven't you? This is a special time for us as individuals. We worship the resurrected Christ. We understand that he lives within us. So for us, Christmas isn't just family. It's not just gifts. It's not just food and celebration. It's all those things, but it's something more. It's an intensely spiritual time when we recognize God's actions in history, and it changes everything. I laugh often when people with new babies talk about their new babies. And I told this at the deacon's meal earlier this week or last week, and I still laugh about it. A couple of years ago, there was a young couple that came to our child care, and they were so proud. Their first day, they came with their first baby, and they brought it. It was six weeks old, and they bring baby that's six weeks old to our child care. So there was mom just holding this little bitty baby and dad lugging all the junk that you carry when you got a baby. We checked in their baby and came back down and we started talking. They were very friendly. And they said, well, we'll be glad when things settle down and things go back to normal. And I literally bust out laughing because they couldn't know that there would be no normal to their lives. Their normal was a new normal, wasn't it? It had changed everything. And they couldn't know that they would never spend a dime of their money again without thinking of that baby because probably the baby's going to get most of those dimes. And they could never understand that they would never have a vacation again that would be just the two of them without any thoughts of a baby. They didn't understand that they could never drive a sports car without a back seat. They didn't understand that. They didn't understand that that really nice pickup that dad loved would have to go away because there's not room for baby seats in that pickup that he had. They couldn't understand that. Everything in their lives was altered by a baby. Isn't that the way it is 
when we receive the baby Jesus into our lives. When you receive Christ as Savior, when you become conscious of your sin and you become conscious of that separation that is between you and God and you know that something is wrong and you make that decision to follow Jesus, it changes everything, doesn't it? It changes how you spend your money. It changes what you do on Sunday mornings. It changes, it changes your politics. It changes how you treat people. It, change, it can change how you drive if you let it. It can change every aspect of your life. As you follow Jesus, as you study scriptures and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to affect you, your life is never the same. And that never ends. When Tammy and I saw our last daughter get married and move out of the house, we thought, ah, it's over. And we loved our babies and all those kinds of things. And we thought our lives would be very simple and very quiet. And we would have time and money to spend on us. And that lasted for just a little while. And then you know what happened. The grandbabies started coming. And now guess where our time goes and our money goes and our plans go. You know, even our vacations are circled around these babies again. And it's a lifetime thing. You never get to the point as Christian where it's just you and your family when you are Christian, Jesus is with you. Remember, Emmanuel, Jesus means God with us. And so we have to begin to understand how to live our lives in a way that honors the Christ who is within us are some ways that this Christian experience changes us. These are the big takeaways. When you follow Jesus as Savior, when you receive Christ as Savior, you confess your sins to him. You make that commitment to follow him for life. You receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you're thinking, wow, what does that mean? It means that part of God lives within you. The presence of God literally comes within you. Now, you need to understand that this is something unusual. Most religious faiths in the world have no idea or concept of God himself living within you. Indeed, in the Old Testament, it was understood that the Holy Spirit came to prophets. Sometimes it would come to kings, and he would come to certain individuals for certain experiences or a certain length of time, but then the Holy Spirit would leave. And it was just understood that commoners like us wouldn't have the Holy Spirit. He was just for certain times and certain people. It was a gift. And then God would withdraw that gift when he had done his work. The thing about the dramatic thing about this whole Christian experience, God within us, is that when you receive Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, comes and lives within you. So you are never alone. You are never without the presence of God. Whether you're visiting with friends, or you're in a hospital room, or you're at a graveside, or you're driving down the road. God is with you. Now, you may not like this. What that means is God pays attention to you, and he sees you. He knows your thoughts. He sees what you do with your face and your hands. He hears your words. Hopefully, you allow him to guide you. Hopefully, you allow his presence to make you better. If you ignore him, you need to remember he sees that. I remember when my little girl was not quite two and she walked through the room and 
Well, she said this, damn, damn, damn. She was 19 months old. No, I jumped on her and I grabbed her and I was going to spank her. And then mama rescued her. And I said, where'd you learn those words? From you working on the car. And I was one of those things, you know, that one of those experiences that I had to learn. Her presence was there. And I needed to change my behavior because of that. And I didn't always get it right, but I was always very conscious of that. Now that my grandkids are around and they're that age, of course, you know they pick up every word, even when you don't want it to. And if you notice this, there's this inverse relationship between volume and the attention they give you. If you yell or say it loud, they don't care. But if you whisper it or say it in low tones, they catch it. Well, they're doing that to me now. And so what I'm having to do is remind myself, listen, these kids hear everything. And so Tammy will wink her eye at me or do this and I'll get my mouth under control. You know, and you have to do that. If you can live with this consciousness that God is always with you, he can help you be better. He is always there, always listening. And that doesn't mean to be an oppressive thing, but it means that he is there encouraging you to be your best self, to be gracious when you'd rather not, to be kind when you're not in the mood, to slow down when you're in a hurry, to smile when you'd rather spit, to be that Christian that God wants you to be. You are never alone. One of the other things about this Holy Spirit It is God's gift to everyone who receives Jesus. Do you know that people in prison that are murderers and child molesters, when they receive Christ as Savior, do you know that they have the same Holy Spirit within them as do you? And the same Holy Spirit that Billy Graham had when he was alive. And the same Holy Spirit that Lottie Moon and other missionaries had when they were alive. That same Spirit of God lives within all who follow Jesus. You see, you don't get the Holy Spirit because you earn it. You don't get the Holy Spirit because you're good. You get the Holy Spirit because God is gracious and he gives that gift to everyone who receives him as Savior. So, if you remember that, if you can remember this, it can change the way you act around people. Because, you know, I found this out, and so have you. There are a lot of people out there that are Christians, and you can't tell. Sometimes they hide it purposely, and sometimes, you know, they're just what we used to call out-of-fellowship Christians. They're just not Christians that aren't living the life, but they have the Holy Spirit within them. Now, that doesn't mean that they are submissive to the Spirit or that God is leading them in their behaviors, but it means that you are connected with them. So when... You see people and you don't like them. But you know they're a member of a church somewhere or they used to go to church. You need to remember brother or sister in Christ. That's hard for us sometimes, isn't it? People that are different from us. People that we don't like for whatever reason. People that look different or sound different or smell different. If they follow Jesus, the same Holy Spirit is within them that is within you brother and sister in Christ. And this is a gift. Not because they're good or because you're good, but because God is good and gracious to his people. One other thing, it's a constant presence. It is, I really struggle with this. 
and I don't even know how to describe it or explain it, all Christians have the Holy Spirit. Some Christians seem more Christian than others, and you know what I mean by that. And that's because of their spiritual growth and maturity, and it's also because of their submission to the Holy Spirit. We don't like the term submission. Our culture is all about doing what we want and and doing things the way we do it and me being myself and doing what I choose and all those kinds of things. And there is absolutely nothing Christian about you doing whatever you want and doing what makes you feel good. There is nothing Christian about that. Instead, our goal, and this is one of those ways of changing the way you think when you follow Jesus, your goal for the Christian is to be submissive to God's leadership. Sometimes he will lead you to doing things that will bring you pleasure. Yes. Sometimes he will lead you to things that are really unpleasant. doesn't matter. God calls you to be submissive. And so when you have this feeling from within and, and you feel like God is calling you to do something, you measure it against Scripture. Is this something that God would want me to do? And if it is and you feel this Holy Spirit tugging you, then the Christian response is to submit. Well, I don't want to. I'm not in the mood. I'm in a hurry. I get it. God calls you to submit. Because I'm here at the church all the time, we have a lot of opportunities to meet people who, you know, they just need help. And I don't know if I'm what's happening, but as I, as I get older, it's getting more and more difficult for me to turn people away. And I'm, I'm very conscious about giving away church money. And I know it's your money, you gave it to God, and you wanted to be used responsibly. So I'm very conscious about that. And in my earlier years, it was easier for me to turn away beggars. And that's how I thought, you know, and this is the way preachers talk. And, and we talk about these people, and we talk about how they often lie to us and manipulate us, and, and they do. But as I find as I get older, I'm becoming more sensitive to the fact that, you know, I don't know the whole story. And they are sinners, just like me. And they've made a lot of stupid decisions and bad decisions, just like me. And maybe what I need to do is give grace in submission to the Holy Spirit. So I'm more generous than I used to be. I try to be discerning, and I still turn some people away. But I help people just because I think God wants me to be gracious and kind and represent a gracious and kind God. I hope you can do the same. I, I don't always get it right, and I know sometimes I probably help people that are just yanking me around, and I know that, but I don't know for sure. But the Holy Spirit is this constant presence, continually shaping us and maybe softening us when we need to be softened. Jesus promised his followers, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. There's a passage of scripture that Paul put it in his words. And if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit 
who indwells you. The Christmas story doesn't stop with the birth of Jesus, of course. And it goes on for decades and years and centuries doesn't because here we are, 2,000 years later, still talking about this Christ child. This morning, let me encourage you to enter into this Christmas season submissive to the leadership of that spirit that is within you. Most of you are Christians. You know Jesus is Savior. You've been through this routine of receiving Christ. You have the Holy Spirit within you. My challenge to you is this season, follow that resurrected Christ. Follow the urging of the Spirit within and give grace that other people would be influenced. Would you stand with me as Nate leads us? Terry's going to come and lead us in a closing prayer. Be, in mind, be mindful of the Christmas season, of course. Plan for our Christmas Eve service and bring family. Terry? Pray with me, please. As we leave this place, help us to remember the reason for the season. Help us to remember that as we act, it will spread like ripples on the pond and it will be used and magnified by Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.